0: Hi, I'm Keegan and I'm Madigan and you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey there, listeners. So this is Editing Keegan here. I wanted to just jump in at the beginning of this episode and let you all know that I will be going away for the month of October. Madigan has lots of fun stuff for you planned, so you will still be getting content. But I am going to be traveling to the Midwest to help out my friends in the Black Lives Matter movement there in Missouri. So just to talk to you a little bit about what I'll be doing because I'm sure that I will be sharing things across our social media platforms while I am there. I am going to be helping to create a Black Arts Alliance in my hometown uh, where we will be focusing on facilitating a space for Black young people especially, but Black artists of all types to have a place where they can perform, where they can be seen and heard and Given opportunities because that was something that I feel like I sorely missed as a young black. Artist in the Midwest, a Black performer. So I wanted to take this opportunity to be able to go and give back not only to the community, but also kind of really capitalize on the momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement in order to create a lasting change in my hometown. So that's something that's very important to me. And even though I don't want to leave you all because I love you and I love this community we have created, I just think that it's something that I need to do right now. So I am very excited to be able to do this, but I will miss you all. Check out all of our socials uh, if you want updates on what I'm doing. I will also share the handles for the Black Arts Alliance if you want to follow that page on Instagram and kind of just see what we're up to but yeah that's it we're gonna jump right into the episode okay Madigan I have a question for you I have an answer for you are you a Carrie a Miranda a Charlotte or a Samantha
1: you know what's funny is I've been different characters in different situations in different friend groups what's really funny is like I've believe it or not I've been a Samantha in certain groups where I happen to be the most like experienced or like open to talk about sex and that kind of stuff I've been seen as eh, rarely a Miranda rarely a Charlotte probably a Samantha or a Carrie would be me
0: I'm a Carrie for sure I'm absolutely a Carrie If I had to decide, if I had to like kind of mix and match, it would be like a Carrie and a Miranda.
1: (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Like, if I actually if I could be two, I would actually like to be Samantha and Miranda. Because honestly, as I get older, Carrie bothers me more and more. And the things about Samantha and Miranda that I really like is that they're very unapologetically themselves, even when they are insecure and are like a little bit not great at times, at least, like, they're very secure in who they are and in their character, where Carrie is, like, super insecure,
0: uh, super flighty, not very empathetic to other people. But I feel like, to me, okay, so to me, Carrie is representative of most women. Like, I I feel like a lot, and, and I understand how that can sound problematic, given who Carrie is, but people Go through ups and downs. People aren't always super secure in who they are. I would say that someone like Samantha actually is way more secure than most most people are. Like well, I don't right, think that's that most kind of people why are that way.
1: I think that that's why we have a Samantha and a Carrie character because they're like they're known as like the best friends. Which I never really got watching the show. But I when did I saw not the get movie, that sense. Right. But then in the movie, it's like, you're my best friend. I want you to be my maid of honor. And Sam's kind of like, what? But there is something interesting about their dynamic, especially because they hated each other off camera. Still Um, do. Yeah, Yeah. still do. Very much so. Um, But like, there's something about their characters that I think were so perfect for each other because Samantha pushed Carrie out of her, like, you know, well, she pushed all of the characters out of their comfort zones and made them kind of like explore who they were more. Like, was she the nicest person in the world? No,
0: not at all. She was not a very good friend (laughs) most of the time, but... I mean, all of these characters are incredibly flawed. So we kind of just jumped right into it. But we we are talking about sex and the city today. Because... Sex and the City, for all of its flaws, right, we look back on Sex and the City uh, and we're looking at it through a 2020 lens, right, and there are a lot of things that are wrong with this show, a lot of very problematic things. I will say off the top, I like Sex and the City, I enjoy watching the show, I've watched it a couple of years ago, I watched the whole series through again. It has problems, and we're going to talk about yeah. those problems today. I
1: I got really into Sex and the City, actually, right before I moved to L.A. That was kind of like my comfort show at the time, and I had all the DVDs of the seasons back when there was no, like, Netflix streaming sites, people, and you had to buy the DVDs of your TV shows that you loved, um, and I would just, like, binge watch it constantly, and I really, really liked it, but I honestly can't really watch it anymore, especially because, of, like, Mr. Big... Just, I can't watch him anymore. He just makes me so angry. And then there's other things about it that just, like, I can't sit comfortably with it anymore. Unfortunately, it's one of those shows for me that, though I loved it so much at one time, I don't really like watching it anymore. Although, the movies... (laughs) Oh, the movies are worse than the show. I know the movies are worse than the show, but I have to say, I have this weird tradition when I fly airplanes, (laughs) When I fly, I like to watch movies that I've like seen a lot. I watch a lot of cartoon movies, but for some reason, almost every flight, because it's always available, I watch the Sex and the City movie.
0: It's just... Yes is interesting to me.
1: Really? I See, no. I love that movie for the trash that it is. The part where Charlotte poops her pants and Carrie says that she Poughkeepsie's in her pants is iconic to me. There are so many moments in the movie because it's like so much later on that I feel like I can relate to it a little bit better. It's a little bit more updated and it's so cheesy, funny, but I, I, I love feel, the movies. I love I feel them. feel
0: opposite to you. Like so funny. I feel so like funny. the movies are so problematic. The oh, show yeah. is problematic as well, but I feel like the movies to me are on kind of like a different level. And because they are more modern, I feel like they don't work as well. Like you can look at Sex and the City, the TV show, and realize the time in which this show took place right. right and so it you kind of have an, a deeper understanding like when I was doing my um prep for this episode I was reading kind of like what people from the show particularly Cynthia Nixon and Sarah Jessica Parker had to say about the right. show now and even Sarah Jessica Parker says that it doesn't work now it no, wouldn't it work, would it work at all there so would have for- to be
1: a completely uh, it would have to be completely recast. Like this show, it, I don't think any episode would, packs, would pass the Bechtel test,
0: even though this it, it is doesn't. a show
1: about four women. It's Other just... people
0: have actually done that. Like they've actually done that analysis of all six seasons. And yeah. I don't believe that any episode or any scene really passes the Bechdel test. Um, I don't know because I haven't done that myself, like right. with that in mind. I did rewatch a few episodes of the series in prep for this episode. Um, I rewatched the first two episodes of the see- series and then I watched the episode where Carrie in season six leaves her shoes at, um, or her shoes get stolen and they're her 485 Manolo Blonics. Manolo Blonics. Yeah. Um, okay, so see,
1: well, I want to say one thing really quick about Sex and the City before we talk about all the things that are wrong with it. The th- the reason why I think that we find such an attachment to the show and why it was so popular at the time. So this show came out in 1998, right?
0: Yes. So I actually, write it down. before we start talking about that, let me just preface by saying that I know we have a lot of very young listeners, and there's a, probably a lot of listeners who did not grow up with this show. I mean, you and I were very young when this show came out. Yeah, so, I mean, I watched it way after it was done. Me too. Yeah, I absolutely did not watch it when it was airing. If anything, whenever I became a teenager, there were the um, edited made for TV versions that were on like TBS that I would watch. Yes, yeah, same occasion. But so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the show for people who haven't seen it. So Sex and the City first aired in 1998. It was adapted from a newspaper column and book of the same name by Candace Bushnell. Candace And it should be noted that even though this was based on the writings of a woman, the show was produced and a lot of the writers and directors were men. Um, So the show centers around four main characters and they really do represent kind of like four archetypes of women. So you have Charlotte, who is like the conservative Park Avenue princess, the most annoying one by far, in my opinion. Uh, and she is constantly on the look for marriage. You've got Samantha. She is successful, hardworking. She kind of represents this, like... um nineteen eighties kind of power suit. <laughs>
1: yeah, women. well she is the oldest of them. Like they're all Charlotte, Miranda, and Carrie are a bit younger than Samantha. I mean she doesn't reveal her age, I don't think, until like one of the movies or something much later.
0: Um, but it's known that she's like a bit older than right, the Right, well of and the that's girls. actually something I like about this show is that all of them are very visibly Not in their 20s, like very visibly, like very often in shows, I feel like they have to tell you that a woman is in her 30s because women in Hollywood, especially all tend to look the same and they all tend to look very young. Whereas even in the opening of the of the show, you can tell that Carrie has wrinkles. She is like fine lines. You know, she is very, very fine in her 30s. Yeah, well,
1: And I and, you know, very uh, we see them in all different kind of states of
0: uh, readiness for the world, you know, right. so, yeah. you know. Yeah. So then you have Miranda, who is this kind of like corporate, she would be considered kind of like the feminist of the show, yes. especially in the early, early seasons. Uh, I feel like they were really trying to like hit you over the head with the fact that she, like, she, yeah, is she the was supposed
1: to be kind of like the voice of reason for the times that the other girls would maybe kind of steer off course. That doesn't mean that she was the best at that. I wouldn't necessarily even refer to her as the voice of reason. But compared to the other three women, she's kind of the one that tends to bring them down to reality a bit more.
0: Right, I mean, somewhere between her and Carrie, I feel like because I feel like Carrie sometimes has to temper Miranda, um, yes, or at least that's what the show is trying to make you believe that, like, oh, yeah. Miranda is too like picky; she's too she, like she needs to let loose a little right? bit, yeah. So she has to like loosen up, um, and so then then you have Carrie, who is the kind of like combination of all of these people right like she is idealistic and romantic like Charlotte but she's glamorous like Samantha but she's witty and has like a very dry sense of humor like Miranda so yeah
1: and, sh- and she's a writer you know she's kind of got that intellectual property to her as well that kind of makes her I feel like associate herself with Miranda a lot like she really is the glue that holds all of these friends together like if Carrie wasn't there would these I don't women know be if, friends probably yeah, not because they really it's, it's, have
0: very little in common
1: And you don't always see, because the show is about Carrie, you don't always see the women alone with each other. I mean, every once in a while, but you wouldn't normally see Miranda and Charlotte, I feel like. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched the show consecutively.
0: You, You don't see them together, right? So you, the show will. Like alone together. Alone together, yeah. So like the show will focus on other storylines but typically those other storylines have to do with their partner so you will right. find yourself alone in Charlotte's apartment but it's usually like Charlotte's apartment with her husband and it has something right. to do with their relationship usually exactly. like there well, you don't usually see yeah Samantha and Charlotte just hanging out <laughs> yeah so another
1: way that I kind of want to like, let people understand the show a bit if you haven't watched it or if you weren't alive when it was on. This was kind of like, maybe this is even too old of a reference, but it was kind of like the girls of its time where, like, there were these women that, you know, women in the audience felt like they could connect to in some way. They right. could say, I'm I'm a Miranda, I'm a Carrie, I'm a Samantha. Um, I'm a Charlotte. And it was a way it was almost kind of like this weird guidebook, especially I feel like for young teen girls. And that's where I feel like the first problematic thing kind of comes up because Carrie is a writer. She's kind of like she's not really an advice columnist because I don't think she responds. She's a sex columnist. She's a sex columnist. Thank you. So she writes about like relationships and sex and things like that. And, you know, the episodes kind of you know, obviously fall around that. But sometimes a lot of the advice that she gives, I would say
0: can be a bit problematic. Right. But here's the thing also. Within the context of when this show took place, like, look at the covers of Cosmo magazine in 1998. Like, the advice that was being given to women was advice like this. Like, it wasn't... Yeah. We can't watch it and say, like, oh, well, that was good advice because that's the advice that women were getting at that time. Yeah, it was
1: interesting. There was a lot of... A lot of blame, I feel like, going on with sex, even though this was a sex column and it was openly talked about. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, negative discussion around sexuality in the show even though it's supposed to be very welcoming you know there is a big issue with bisexuality in one of the episodes Um, there's even like pressures from other women to perform sexual acts that they really don't want to but are encouraged to do so to please their man to stay with them and I think things like that especially you know having watched it when I was like 17 18 and on the cusp of like having adult relationships I had this kind of um, idea in my head that some of the way that these women were being treated was okay, even though looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, I totally saw that as being okay when I was young. Right. And I know that's
0: not cool. Absolutely. Okay. So let's kind of get into talking about some of the issues with the show. I want to wrap up the episode with talking about some of the ways in which while the show is flawed there are positives about about this show, especially for the time that it was created. It was yeah. groundbreaking. So we'll talk about those things kind of at the end to wrap up, but like, let's just get into talking about um, some of the issues with this show. So for me, one of the most kind of like striking, very, I mean, on its face, very prevalent, prominent problems with this show is that there is almost... No diversity at all. It is another right. one of these shows that took place in New York City. And again, there's also I, in a lot of the articles that I read, I read quite a few articles for this episode. There's a good point that's made that this show gets a lot of heat for things that other shows did that they don't get as much heat for. So, for instance, like Seinfeld doesn't get as many articles written on it about how many problems there are with that show, um, even though that's also right. a show that takes place in New York and has almost no black people in it um, or no people right. of color basically at all. Uh, and so there is kind of this theory that people have permission to harp on sex in the city more because it is a women's yes. show. Yes.
1: Well, I totally agree with that. But I also want to say that the times that there is representation and people of color on the show... It's very bad. It's really bad. And that's the thing is that, yes, there... I, you know, I've watched all of Seinfeld. I'm not really recalling specific stereotypical times, but there's got to be. It's a comedy in the 90s. You know what I mean? I'm sure there were people of color that were made fun of on that show. But The problem
0: with Seinfeld is that there's just no representation at all. Well, right. Like, that's, and that's kind of the problem And there. that's the
1: thing is that, like, I just don't recall there being any characters. But on Sex and the City, I very vividly remember certain characters, like specifically the episode where Samantha dates Siobhan. Like that episode. (laughs) Well, the reason the reason why that episode is
0: brought up is because it is almost the only episode. I mean, another character who is black uh, that has any kind of prominence at all in the show is not introduced until the final season when Miranda dates Blair Underwood. Right. So it's the reason why that. Again, I feel like this comes up a lot. I feel like after we watched. after we watched Disclosure, that line rings in my head so often where it's like if there was more genuine representation, then having one episode where it was handled badly wouldn't be a problem. But they specifically exactly. wrote an episode. This this is something I really do have a problem with this show. They specifically wrote yeah. an episode that centers around a couple of black characters that we never see again. And they wrote right. one. As a hysterical angry black woman and then they wrote the other one as a hyper sexualized almost mandingo type character and they kind of centered Samantha as the hero kind of white savior kind of white feminism slash slash victim at the end of the situation
1: so. I'm going to walk us through the episode a little bit here. So Samantha starts dating uh, this like musician, music producer. I can't remember what his job was exactly. This man named Siobhan who happens to be a black man. And when she's asked about it, she says the most quintessential 90s phrase ever. I she don't says, see color. I don't see color. I see conquests. You know, and so I wanted to bring that up first because that is something that like, how many times did you hear that? First of all, Marianne yes, pagan? the
0: I don't see color thing, you hear... A lot. And then, secondly, calling, there's something that just feels icky to me and deeply problematic, even though this is Samantha who sees everyone as a conquest, specifically saying that. And everyone objectively. Specifically saying that, though, about a black man feels very fetishy to me.
1: It's really, yes, it's very almost kind of like. It's very predatory. Like, if I think of a conquest, I think of, you know, something that you'd
0: like to conquer. It seems very much like a, like a tick on her yes, list. Yes, yeah, like bit, she wants to you know check mean? something off. So, also, I wanted to say that Siobhan is the brother of um, a, a character who is supposed to be a friend of Carrie's, who we have never met before and never yeah. meet again. So... And yeah. she's a
1: chef, and like Carrie's like, let's go to her restaurant and try your food and whatever. So, anyways, when Samantha starts dating Siobhan, she starts speaking differently, dressing differently, trying to kind of fit in with his friends. And
0: we meet, we meet Siobhan's sister, like, Adrina, Samantha, like I said, by the way. It's a weird thing no, for them to write that all. in. It's it goes against her character to change herself for a man.
1: It goes against her character, but honestly, I think. Just because of I, I don't know. I see a lot of white women that date black men that start to dress differently because they feel that it is a way to make cultural appropriation. Yeah, okay. maybe that's
0: what she was doing. I haven't rewatched that episode. In you a while. know what I
1: mean? It's kind of, it's kind of like uh, it's okay for me to dress Ugh. speak act this way because I'm with this person so to me it didn't really read so much as like Samantha's changing herself or this man more so like she has a reason to express maybe another different
0: or an excuse side rather, of yeah. herself
1: that mm-hmm. she or an ex- yeah exactly an excuse to show yeah, I, I, that yeah. you know what I mean because everything she does is outrageous. You know what I mean? She's very big and very colorful and fashionable. So, of course, she would take this opportunity to kind of appropriate on this culture by dressing, I, I think speaking, that that's acting probably, this way. Probably,
0: you, I think you probably hit the nail on the head there, yeah.
1: Why, thank you. So, like we said, we met Adrena, uh, Siobhan's sister, earlier in the episode because she's allegedly friends with Carrie and they're at her restaurant. And that is how Samantha meets Siobhan. So... Adrena is not too pleased that Siobhan and Samantha are together. And they really paint Adrena as, or sorry, it's not Adrena, Adina. They really paint Adina as being like, like you said, the angry black woman. And when Samantha asks Adina why she can't date her brother, Adina's only response is that it's a black thing, which I'm just curious as to what you
0: What you think the writer's intent was with saying Okay, again, I haven't rewatched this episode in a while. I remember them painting her it's the narrative of this episode is very clear that we're supposed to think that Adina is racist, basically. Like she is a segregationist. Right. She's She's racist against Samantha yeah, right. and that she. That this is kind yeah. of like a reverse racism situation. Uh, that is kind of what is we're supposed to think at the end. In fact, Carrie basically says that at the end. Um, for, and so I don't know exactly if that was their intent, but I'm fairly certain that it was. My issue with it is when... And this happened a lot in at this time period. Like I just rewatched, say, The Last Dance and there was a whole section in there about this as well. And it always paints these women as being completely unreasonable um, when in reality there are reasons why black women feel this way. And it's not necessarily right all the time that they feel this way. It's not always expressed well. Right. However, when you take a look at the statistics and you see that black women are considered to be the least attractive group in this country. They are the least coupled group in this country. They are denigrated even within their own race by black men who say they don't want to date black women. Um, Constantly, this is in our face constantly. uh, There's a reason why black women feel defensive about situations like right. this. And
1: it- and that's and that's like stories that I've heard before. And that's why I was curious as to what the writer's intent with that line was because I have heard a lot of times that there is a protection um of black men with black women culturally. Um, so I didn't know if they were trying to askew that into being a very negative yes, trait I think so. yes. of, who, of hers or if it was, or if it was somebody
0: that was expressing a genuine thing that happened. I think it's in the both culture. things, but I think that it was definitely trying to make it into a very negative thing. And there's a Mm -hmm. way to have that conversation and bring up the reasons why kind of gatekeeping who someone can and can't date based on race is problematic. There's a way to have that conversation that is sensitive and nuanced and within the context of the larger issue of why people feel like that, you know, like we need to have that kind of conversation because when it's just thrown in, like it was in this or in say the last dance, it does make The person look unreasonable, like an unreasonable segregationist, basically, you know, like. And yeah, yeah, it's exactly it's an issue. It's an issue that they specifically wrote this one episode and decided to handle it, handle race this way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this is the only black man, I believe, that Samantha that we know
0: of. Which is wild because she's had sex with like hundreds of people. So to make it this thing where it's like, this is my one. Like, again, you live in New York. You're yeah. telling me a person like well, that's exactly like, like Samantha, a self-described trisexual who will try anything. Right. She hasn't had sex with people who aren't white. Like, really? Right, exactly. So even the actress that played Adina, Sandra
1: Oakley, kind of laughs about it in an interview, saying like, "You're you're telling me Samantha only yeah, saw bullshit. one black guy in the whole range of the show in New York City? Bullshit. Okay, sure. You know what I mean? Like that's just kind of the thing that made that episode so." memorable to me because I haven't seen it in years yet. I remember certain episodes with mm-hmm. like perfect clarity because these, because it's so different from so many. And other it doesn't episodes. make sense.
0: Again, it's like that's, sh- there's a lot of things in this show. Again, I enjoy the show. I will probably watch some more episodes of it because I just, it's nostalgic for me and all that stuff. But it is clear that this show was written by white men, white, straight men. You can tell yeah. that most of the episodes uh are through a male gaze, a lot of the conversations that these women are having sound like conversations that men think women have. Like,
1: or or its conversations about things that men know nothing about in ways that they think women right. discuss them. Right. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like ways that they think women would discuss their sexual problems, ways that they think somebody who is more sexually experienced would talk, ways that they think maybe the park avenue princess. Right. Would right. Talk. And so you know what I mean, it's very much playing mm-hmm. into those archetypes that doesn't really give them Personality, except for outside of maybe Carrie, Carrie,
0: because she's our main character, we see a lot more of her nuance. But well, as the seasons like go on, I mean, it did run for seven years, I think. So as the series yeah. went on, you did get a lot more character development. You did get to see kind of like um, more layers for each of the characters. They did become more developed as time totally. went on, and they weren't quite as one dimensional. But it's anytime. This is why it's so important to have diversity, not only in front of the camera, but also in like behind the scenes. Like, they there needed to be more women yeah. in the writing room. There clearly needed to be more people of color in the writing room, uh, and there needed to be people of the LGBTQ community
1: because that's a let's big one. Talk about that, next. yeah. So we we have two prominently. We have two prominent characters that are gay in the show that we see pretty regularly uh, that are named Stanford and Anthony. And Stanford is Carrie's best friend and Anthony is Charlotte's best friend. And Stanford is kind of this like shy, you know, balding, kind of sweet looking man who's very, very I, kind to Carrie, who really is a shoulder. I to really cry do love on. him actually. Like
0: I love him. I love but him But the issue is he is that wonderful. <laughs> the issue is that even though I love him and I actually think that the other character um Anthony I think that he Anthony? is also a lot of fun. The problem is that the only gay characters represented on this show are the gay best friend stereotype. They're very palatable yes. um white gay men whose sole purpose basically is just to Well, I believe Anthony might have been a He he was he white? He's white. Yeah, he might I be I want to say he was but Hispanic, but maybe so. he was Italian. Yeah, I don't You're think right. So. He was Italian. He's, he was Totally. The way he acted, he and was totally Italian. And the fact retally. that we Never don't mind. know <laughs> is a problem. If, if he's yeah, supposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. be like a Latino man and they didn't make that clear, that's also an issue. But that's I think it's just my my memory failing me. Their purpose is to prop up these fabulous women. Right. That That's their exactly. entire purpose. It's one dimensional. <laughs>
1: So there's no time in the series, and Sarah Jessica Parker even talks about this like recently, there's no time in this series that there's any real discussion about issues in the LGBTQ community. There's no times that Stanford or Anthony go through any sort of discrimination and they need their friends for help or anything. No. So the only time that we see them is when they're kind of there to like have fun, be the shoulder to cry snap, on. Snap, snap, snaps, right? Snap, like, snap snaps, very... you know, and then of course... Of course, because Carrie has a gay best friend and Charlotte has a gay best friend. They Wouldn't it be just to. so perfect if they ended up of together? Course. Because and there's the only two is- gay men in all
0: of New York City.
1: <laughs> exactly. So they're like, of course, these two are going to be best friends because we're best friends and they're both gay. So w- whatever. But the thing is, is that when these two first meet... It's like the opposite of fireworks. It's really uncomfortable and really awful. And Anthony is not very great to Stanford. It's completely shoehorned in. It's bad because there's no way in hell that, I mean, I don't know, opposites attract, whatever. But to me, I just don't think there's any way in reality that that relationship would be healthy and work. Uh, Yet in the movie, they get married and it's like, the most stereotypically gay wedding. Liza Minnelli shows up, which I loved. I love me some Liza. But, like, it was very played up, which would be fine if there was more
0: to and it. Again, if we
1: understood them as right. people.
0: And, 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 again, very clearly written by straight people. Like, this was not, there yes. were not, gay people were not in here trying to, like represent say themselves this on the show at
1: all. like Yeah, it, to say this is our lifestyle
0: or anything Yes, like that. I mean, and the way that they handle like LGBTQ characters just in general or situations in general. First of all, those are really the only gay characters. I think there's one episode where they go to like a gay club or something like that. But that, yeah. those are the only gay characters. In one episode, Carrie dates a man who comes out to her as bi and
1: well this this man I just call tag because he's played by the same guy that plays tag in friends, friends. yeah yeah so I just in my notes, I just refer to him as tag right so tag uh, because I didn't <laughs> tag out, yes
0: as bisexual to carry and I think at this point like he's her boyfriend like they've been dating for like a minute I think
1: they've I think they've been going on a few dates and I it's interesting that you said he comes out to her as bi, because he does. You know, it's the first time that you're telling somebody you're coming out as right. that. But there's something about, I'm going to keep calling him Tag, I'm sorry. But there's something about Tag where he isn't, he isn't saying this to her as, like, is this going to be a deal breaker? No. He's not saying it to her like he's scared. Like, he's very, like, secure in his sexuality right. and just says to her, by the way...
0: I'm by. Just kind of Just like something a, you should it's know. It's just a normal thing. It's And that part of it, I thought it dealt with that part of it very well. Like, that is kind of, yeah. like, how it should go. Like, if you're in a relationship, it shouldn't be this big thing where you're like, you you might want to sit down. This might be hard for you to hear, yeah. you know, or anything like exactly. that. But, but her response to it and the response of the other girls is yeah. bad. It didn't age well. Well, it is... It, it didn't. And it just it pushes all
1: the negative stereotypes about bisexual people saying that being bisexual is just a
0: layover to gay town. That's the first and time that bisexual I heard men, that. And it, it was yeah. the first time I had heard that. And it was so prevalent in the 90s. Like people really yeah. believed that people still. And it's and it's carried on to this day. It's had it, very negative it repercussions, I, I feel like. Yeah, it was something that really, really I, I definitely, whenever I was young, because I heard it so much, I was like, yeah, that's probably true. There's no such thing as bisexuality. You're one or the other, and you're just right. waiting well, to figure and I, it out.
1: I actually did know a few men, too, that originally came out as bisexual and then later on came out as gay. So to me, like that was kind of like... Okay, You know, especially when you're young and you hear that, like that makes sense because there is something whenever things are not binary, like we have we need things to be black and white. Whenever there's like a shade of gray in there, it's hard for us to comprehend. And this episode could have been a way for us to maybe like understand it a bit more and help the audience like. Right. Take the stigma away a little bit. Instead, it made them kind of look like these overly sexual, sharing each other's partners, orgy type, Mm -hmm. like not really monogamous type people, which is what a lot of people assume that those who are bisexual are, you know? And that was so upsetting. And I remember... Was Morris Morissette in that episode? For some reason, I feel like Alana Morissette is She's in, that in one
0: episode. I can't remember if it's that one or not, but she is in an episode. Yes. I watched her on Curb Your Enthusiasm last night, so maybe that's why she's and coming into my head. I, I didn't rewatch this one, and I actually didn't find this in any of the articles I read, which is kind of strange. Really? But there, no, not this. But there was an episode oh. where Samantha dates a woman for like one episode.
1: No, it's more than one episode when she dates Maria. Is that right? Yeah, no, I, I have some notes on that. Oh, okay. She dates Maria for, for a while. It's actually um, before she dates, um, who's the blonde guy that she's with at the end of the series? The actor guy, the young guy. Gosh, I, I don't remember I, his I, name. It's, it, he has a last name for a first name. It's like Jones or something. Yes. I can't remember. but Something like that. Well, Jones is Samantha's last name, so probably not Jones. We're just going to call him Samantha's young blonde guy. So before Samantha's young blonde guy, Maria was actually Smith. like the longest Smith. He, she was actually the longest relationship that Samantha had. Uh, so they met in season four. And Samantha, you know, is really enjoying her time with Maria. She's having like a more emotional connection to somebody and not just sex. She's very comfortable. And Maria's awesome. Like she does have some things that I think, you know, are stereotypical. She's kind of the fiery Latina woman who has the hot temper at times and things like that. But for the most part, them together is really cute. But... Samantha's friends have to ruin it. Of course, they have to talk about the fact that she's not really a lesbian because Samantha's not comfortable labeling herself as such. She just started dating this girl. You know, she's not going to automatically just say she's a lesbian. So, of course, Charlotte says, I don't think she's a lesbian. I think she just ran out of men. Oh,
0: whoa. I, I forgot that she said that. I mean, it's, yeah. again, the way that they handle that relationship is biphobic or I mean I know that like Samantha doesn't label herself period and she certainly doesn't label herself well she
1: labels herself as trisexual yeah yes yes
0: (laughs) yes. and she doesn't label herself as bisexual at all in in the show but they're handling their their inability to comprehend this thing for their friend like that their friend is happy and it doesn't really matter and they can't just support her without bringing judgment into it and charlotte is the i don't know why they stay friends with charlotte, charlotte.
1: yeah charlotte really takes all of her sexual frustrations out on samantha like especially charlotte and samantha's friendship makes no sense to me because if i was samantha i would have had enough of charlotte, charlotte is so
0: judgmental and i have to say she's insufferable i have to say though like in that vein, Samantha is judgmental of Charlotte's choices as well. Like they're judgmental yeah. of each other, but the way that Charlotte is is so superior that it's hard to stomach at times. And overall, well, she slut shames Samantha every single right, episode. And overall, I think that the show handles female relationships well and female friendships well. I think that you know, without Sex and the City, we wouldn't have f- girls. We wouldn't have Broad City. We wouldn't have yeah. these well, other shows. And And that's the thing
1: that, you know, the creator of the show, Darren Starr, says that that's kind of the whole point of the show. And, you know, years later, he was asked about, you know, the ending of Carrie ending up with Mr. Big. And he agrees. He says that was not the original ending. That was not what I intended. It shouldn't have been Um, the ending. And it shouldn't have been the ending. That's what he said, you know, because the point of the show was about how, you know, no matter what your you know romantic
0: lives look like, you have your friends, well, your family, wonder, the people that you have. Why did he double down on it in the movies? It's it's weird that it's very okay, so. I- Weird. I want to just bring up while we're still on the subject of like LGBTQ representation yeah. before we move on to how problematic that relationship is, because I do think it's important to talk about that. I have
1: one other relationship I want to talk about before we okay. get to that one
0: okay. and then we'll tie it all together. Sounds good. <laughs> um, but I-, I did want to just mention quickly again, for some reason in the articles I was reading, this is something that I remember vividly and it was not brought up as much as it should have been brought up in in articles mm-hmm. talking about the ways in which this show is problematic, but the handling of the transgender sex workers who are (gasps) living outside of Samantha's apartment. I remember this episode. Yes. Uh, That's
1: another one that I, I wrote in my notes. And did not, again, didn't see in any articles, but remember
0: very vividly that
1: whole episode.
0: Yes. So there's an episode, and again, I might be misremembering because I didn't rewatch the episode and I couldn't find a lot um, in articles, but there is an episode where Samantha's upset You know, white rich white woman problems. She's mad because she's she's losing sleep because there are sex workers, trans women, who are outside of her apartment making noise at night. And she's upset about this and she's complaining about it. And in fact, this is a slur. It's not my words, it's hers. She calls them trannies. Yeah. Right. And basically is upset that. She is a rich white lady who has an expensive apartment who has to well, deal yeah, with this. Well, yeah, she had problem. like just
1: moved to a new apartment that was supposed to be in this like up and coming great neighborhood and she feels like the fact that it is so tone You know, deaf. what would be seen as like quote unquote
0: low life it is so in her tone eyes would be outside. To it's so dismissive of the issues that yeah. trans people face and the violence exactly. that they face, especially gentrifying showing- this fucking neighborhood. Like you came into the- You came in to their neighborhood, you're pricing them out, pushing them out of their own neighborhood. Like, it's so tone deaf the way they handled that whole thing.
1: Yeah, and I mean... We know now, I mean, you and I know now, you know, the issues of the transgender community, especially when, you know, they have to turn to sex work and homelessness and all of those things. Sometimes it's a choice. Sometimes it is not. So the fact that especially that they're showing, you know, trans women as sex workers and they're not mentioning any of the hardships surrounding that or having Samantha even kind of come to light and have an understanding. They're depicting that's not how
0: they they're putting them against each well, other and yeah they're depicting them as like a nuisance like as a problem to be solved right right which is i i don't know i really hate the way that they handled that and i remember it ending with them becoming like friends or whatever but they kind of like begin to appreciate
1: each other which is i guess a, a resolution for the episode but i think a really missed opportunity yeah absolutely Yeah. So before we start talking about Mr. Big, I want to talk about something that I found truly shocking to my very core. Did you know that there are articles aplenty about why Aiden is problematic? Excuse me? (laughs) Wait a second, though, because this like glass shattering in my head blew my mind okay so do you know the Instagram page every outfit on Sex yes, in the City amazing so yeah like anybody who watches that show I feel like follows that page it's just like a great Instagram page to follow in general so in October of 2018 that user pointed out that Aiden was actually a man pixie artisan boy okay which sounds like something they made up but I totally but like, like a I male version of saying. like a manic
0: pixie dream girl situation okay. yes
1: With a a lot of toxic masculinity. So here's some things that they pointed out about their relationship that are actually really good points. He told Carrie that their relationship would be over if she smoked cigarettes. So this person in the article said it's fucked up that his love for her is contingent on her ability to conform to his lifestyle. So while smoking cigarettes is bad, And encouraging your partner to not smoke is not a bad thing to do. But the fact that throughout the relationship, Carrie's behavior is very contingent as to whether or not they can be together. Yes. And especially something like smoking um it's fucking hard i quit smoking for my ex and it made me really fucking bitter so as soon as we broke up i started smoking again and now i wish i hadn't but um well here's 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 the thing
0: my grandma died of lung cancer i i don't like smoking i hate that a lot of my friends smoke um anthony smokes he quit smoking for like two years uh, and then he kind of like went through a very stressful time and he went back to it. I have made it very clear to him that I don't like it that he smokes. Does that mean I'm going to break up with him? No, it doesn't. Because one, exactly. I have an understanding of how difficult it is to quit. Two, it's his life and not mine. And he understands the risks involved with smoking, yeah. as do all of my friends who smoke. Um, and so it's it's not reasonable i don't think if that's a deal i don't think it's reasonable if that's a deal either. breaker for you then you can express that and just say like yeah. i I really can't be with somebody who smokes so you make your own decision about it right. but just know that like that's where I stand I think that's a reasonable right. thing you for just him can't to be say. threatening
1: about it well yeah and this is another example like so when I went through my breakup was also the time that I kind of reconnected started talking to Max again and I that was when I was smoking actual cigarettes I'm even worse now and smoke a jewel. I'm so sorry I feel like such a tool um, I just rhymed but um, he didn't really even say anything to me initially and it wasn't until after we've been dating for a bit that he's like, you know, this is usually like a deal breaker for me. I really don't like the smell of cigarettes. I have a really hard time with it. Um, And he still, you know, he definitely gets on me about how often I use the jewel and things like that. And I'm appreciative of it. But it also is something that like when you have an addiction to something, it is so sensitive and people bring it up. And it's really hard to let go. Like when I quit the first time, it was a mourning process. Like it was hard. And I went through a lot of really emotional feelings. And I think that's something for someone that's never smoked that you can feel really high and mighty about. But as somebody who's trying to actually kick the habit, it can be really, really hard for some people, especially someone like Carrie, who smokes like a fucking chimney. And the the
0: bigger point, the bigger issue is like, I don't like that Anthony smokes. However, my love is not conditional. Right. Like, yeah, whenever you are with somebody who you love, it doesn't mean that you can't have expectations and high standards and things that are deal breakers for you. However, like you choose you choose love as a choice and you choose yeah. to love someone through the ups and downs. Uh, and you choose whether or not that something that you can do your relationship right. that it works, but it should not be. A it threat. should not yeah. be a threat.
1: So. Carrie is shitty because she had an affair with Mr. Big and cheated on Aiden, which is not okay. It's really fucked but up. But also, it really is. It's her her affair with Big is the worst thing ever, and we're going to talk about that when we talk about Mr. Big. But to kind of like get back at Carrie. Aiden kind of insinuates that he might want to sleep with a bartender at the bar that he owns, which is just, like... Petty. Emotional warfare it's petty to and It's so petty. Are, how
0: old are these people? Like, guys. They're
1: in their 30s or yes. 40s at this yeah. point. I don't
0: know. Like, like late, late not, 30s, bare minimum. They're not, like, young adults,
1: because this. a lot of this sounds like young adult discussions. Um, this one really bothers me. He seemed relieved when Carrie lied and told him that she never had an abortion. That's an episode that is re- a really interesting episode to look at when she remember, you know, she thinks back when she was younger and had an abortion and never told the guy that she had gotten pregnant with, and it was something that was brought up in her relationship with Aiden, and she started to feel really guilty that she never told, um, you know, the man in the situation that she had an abortion, and so when she realizes that Aiden would judge her for it, she lies and said that she didn't have one, which is really sad. You shouldn't have to lie to your partner about something like that
0: right but you know what she as an adult shouldn't have lied like again again these are adult relationships I think that that's kind of an issue that I have with this show is that they all seem to behave very childishly uh, a lot of the time and I know it can be a very sensitive thing and a very difficult thing but you should just tell him the truth and again if that's like a deal breaker for him then let him walk
1: Honestly, that's the thing that I say to my television screen the most when watching TV is like, just be honest. Yeah. And then all of this would go away. You know what I mean? Um, And the last thing is so eventually they get engaged and this causes like an extreme, even like very physical reaction to anxiety for Carrie. Like she starts breaking out in a rash after she gets engaged to Aiden and really starts freaking out. And he kind of like, ambushes her with this shotgun wedding and is really, really pressuring her to get married fast, even though it's very obvious that Carrie is having a really fucking hard time. Yeah. And that's something that looking back, it wasn't something that I none of these were things that I ever really thought about when thinking back on the show. But now thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's the, the two
0: of them were not good for each other. Like, do I No, think they weren't compatible. Aiden was Of the people Carrie dates on the show, I think that Aiden was probably the best guy that she dated, but the two of them were not compatible. They didn't respect each other the way that they should have respected the way two adults should respect each other in a relationship. Exactly.
1: They they tried to change each other a lot. You know what I mean? One one example of that that po- pops out a lot is when Aiden takes Carrie to his cabin and Aiden really kind of throws her into the deep end with cabin life and Carrie very very obviously hates it. Like there's no compromise there. They just don't seem to understand each other. Yeah, it doesn't make
0: sense that they would date the way that they did. It really doesn't.
1: (laughs) No, but I mean, like, he's hot and he's really nice to her, so I understand it. But now let's get into the big bad wolf of the show, Mr. Big. I have this section of my notes entitled Why Mr. Big
0: Sucks. Well, yeah. Okay, so this is a big problem on this show, that the central relationship around which the show is built because in a lot of ways this show is a six season romantic comedy in a lot of ways because carrie meets big right. in episode one and the show is basically just the two of them is just leading to the two of them getting together at the end but right. big is the worst he's arrogant he's the he's biggest shirt. egocentric He treats Carrie like disposable trash. He's condescending yeah. to her.
1: He's possessive. He stood her like, up even when they together at their own wedding. <laughs> yeah, and I just I don't I don't. So, let's let's go through this a little bit. So, first and foremost, he is emotionally detached as fuck. He doesn't have any, like you said, he treats Carrie like trash. He doesn't put her into, into consideration at all with his life or their life in a relationship. I think it's in the first season where he's like, hey, I'm moving to Paris. And she's like, what about me? Or can I go with you? And he's like, nah, you gotta stay here. Like, that's heartbreaking. Right. I mean, it's, it's but it kind also, of
0: established from episode one, because I did re-watch the first episode. And it's kind of yeah. established from episode one that he is in the position of power and authority because he you know it only dates models like, that's established. Samantha says it in the first episode. Like, he only dates models. And he's, like, they actually refer to him, which did not age well. They refer to him as the next Donald Trump, but much better looking. So he's uh, extremely yeah. wealthy. And he holds yeah. all the cards. And you're supposed to he kind does. of, like, just accept that. And Carrie is supposed to just accept that she managed to yes. land this catch. And so whatever he and does honestly, to her is fine.
1: And this is the reason that I can't watch the show, to be completely honest. And I feel like I've said this a lot, but Mr. Big (laughs) reminds me of a really shitty guy that I was with for a very long time in a lot of ways because of his possessiveness and being so emotionally detached, not really caring about the other person at all. But at the same time, I really associated with Carrie having this like almost like worshiping quality to Mr. Big because he was so successful and people saw him as handsome and desirable and other women wanted him but he wanted her and that was something for me that even though I knew that I wasn't being treated well I was wanted and I had this kind of almost status symbol of being with him that made me feel good at the time that made me feel secure so I think for someone like Carrie who you know is very flighty, you know. She kind of lives from whim to whim. She's a writer. She well, doesn't really yeah. have a lot of money or security. Yeah. And I think there is something about this man that you know that I saw as a young girl that maybe she sees even as a thirty-year-old woman as a way to kind of help her in life and in society and help her this be show stable in some is ways. Also
0: very consumerist. We haven't even touched on that, or we're not going to have time to really go into it. But this show is. So capitalistic um, that to me also her relationship with big and part of why I don't think she wants to let it go is because of the implied status there of being with somebody who is this rich up and comer New York man because everything about these women they all have massive apartments in Manhattan. They spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on shoes and clothes and very fancy restaurants and bars. And so I think that, and I'm not blaming Carrie for this because I I totally understand how people can get wrapped up in this like perceived status in a relationship and like what that offers you and it allows you to stomach or accept things that you really, really should not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. And he really put her through this all throughout the series, even when they weren't together. And that's something for me that's also really triggering. He just never could let her go. It was very stalkerish, like especially the episode where he shows up at Aiden's cabin. He is distraught because his model girlfriend, who's like super famous, broke up with him. And so they're writing about him in the tabloids and he's like super insecure about it and he's super drunk. So he shows up to his ex-girlfriend's current boyfriend's home. And Stop just kind of women like, as
0: emotional labor. We're not fucking therapy centers, I, okay?
1: I know. And it's really bizarre because like Carrie almost takes this as like a reprieve from her miserable cabin stay. And it's kind of like cool with Big It's being again, there in very a way. It's disrespectful but not, of her
0: relationship with Aiden. It's incredibly well, and disrespectful. Aiden is,
1: and Aiden is like obviously. Uncomfortable with this, and Aiden, I believe, ends up kind of like taking care of him in a way. By the end of the episode two, and Carrie's like, "Oh, they're getting along," and it's like, "No, fuck you should have you. sent him home.
0: He's so immediate. I would slammed the door in he his is face. So entitled, and like we're just supposed to accept that. I, it's, it's, it, it, right. And the well, fact and the that thing- they doubled down on it in the movies, and like they shouldn't have ended up together at the end of the series in the first place, and then the fact that they doubled down on it in the movies." with that relationship is so bizarre yeah, to me.
1: I don't even think that in the movies, their relationship was portrayed as that healthy. It's not, no. Um. I mean, something else that I experienced in a different relationship was pretty much living two entirely different lives while li- living under the same roof. And that's something that's really shown a lot in the movies that, you know, Big kind of has this, he's kind of gotten older and he wants to stay home and... Just be with his wife and relax and carry, you know, very much pressures him to go out and um, you know, not just be comfortable with her. And there's just a misunderstanding in what they want in life. So they live very separately. Well, it just doesn't seem okay. you know, she goes
0: off on vacation so with her girlfriend in both movies. <laughs> root of this, I feel like I feel like a big problem with this and why why this is happening in the first place, this relationship, is because this show is so heteronormative and it is so Uh fixated on the idea at the end of the day with all the talk of sexual liberation and independence and you know being a strong independent woman the goal of all of them with the exception of samantha is to find a man and get married Like whether or not that's actually right for them, because I would argue that it's not right for Carrie. She doesn't need to get married or Miranda. It really doesn't necessarily make sense. Like if they do get married and whatever and they're happy, that's fine. And like, you know, they can make their own decisions and that's great. However, kind of shoehorning, forcing this relationship, forcing her to get married because that's the way a happy ending is in, in yeah. the 2000s or, you know, 90s is, it, it just doesn't hold up at all. Like, she just shouldn't have gotten married yeah. at all, I don't think. No. You know?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. If this show was made today, I think it would be incredibly different and that's why i love following uh different instagram pages i think there's one called feminist miranda that i follow too i love woke um, charlotte is
0: hilarious
1: woke charlotte that's what i'm thinking of because it like calls charlotte out on her own bullshit and it's great right it's
0: amazing um it's a good good page. Okay, so now that we've talked about everything that is wrong with this show, I... Almost everything. Almost. There's, and look, it went on for a while, and there's issues with this show. Uh, clearly, clearly <laughs> there are. Um, a lot of issues with this show. But... I do want to say that for all of its flaws, Sex in the City was undoubtedly revolutionary at the time that it came out. It had women having frank discussions about sex in which female sexual pleasure and agency is considered a fundamental right rather than a privilege. They are talking about reproductive rights. They talk about abortion. These were not things that were being discussed in the 90s. And there certainly weren't shows like this, especially not on HBO, that centered around female friendship it was unusual to see that on tv screens and it's so important having a strong group of friends especially as a woman you know i know it's different for everyone and like whatever but like for me having a strong group of female friends is so vitally important and can be So life saving. So it was great to see a show where they didn't really compete for men's attention. They they weren't in competition with each other uh, very often. And like that, that's so incredible to watch. So I took this from a really great Bust article that I will put in the show notes. Um, but she wrapped up her article. This is Marissa Crawford who wrote for Bust. She said. While limited in its focus on white, upper-class, consumerist women's experiences, Sex in the City took the time to speak to women honestly. Its work as a feminist show was in its relentless capturing of the complexity of women's feelings, struggles, anxieties, and lives in a way that felt accessible and relevant to many women, showing women as sexual beings, as ambitious professionals, as deeply cynical and eternally hopeful and everything in between. For six seasons, Sex and the City embarked on this territory unapologetically in a way that few shows had before and few have done with as much depth and nuance. Imperfect as the series was, it gave women something we sorely needed at the time, a mirror to see ourselves in regardless of what shoes we were wearing. So I love that she wrapped it up like that because I do feel like for all of its flaws, for all of the ways in which it failed, it showed women as complex human beings and it's why I have a difficult time with all the articles about how terrible or annoying Carrie is because I'm like, Uh well, that's women. We can't, that's people. We can't just portray women as perfect uh, without any flaws. You know, like they are, I'm annoying. Sometimes I'm toxic. Sometimes I make bad decisions. I,
1: I think it's, I think it's how it's addressed. Uh, that it's problematic, that it's never addressed as being a problem. Exactly. But I also wanted to say that while this was a great show for women, I also think this was a really great show for men to watch. Um, I when I was binge watching the show, I was dating this guy like really briefly before I moved to LA and he would watch the show with me and we would laugh and he would ask me things. And like, it was also a way I think for like, Women's partners and for men who were watching the show to kind of have a bu- better understanding of a woman's sexuality right. and
0: lives Agreed. and feelings. Yeah, that started probably a lot of really exactly. great conversations. Exactly, because I was going to say, like, you know, we've already touched on the fact that a lot of these conversations aren't necessarily re- realistic or well written because they were written by men. But what they did do was facilitate conversation. Like, they started people having conversations about women's sexuality and not just sexuality but also pleasure but also reproductive rights but also and it
1: took away such a great stigma for women to be a charlotte and to still be sexual in a way for someone to be a miranda and still be sexual in a way kind of had this great understanding that like there's many different ways of what romantic partnerships sexuality and womanhood look like even though there could have been a much broader spectrum i do think that at the time most women could watch the show and find something that they would relate to from some character that they enjoy. Right, and as someone
0: who just turned 30, I have to say it's also super refreshing to see women who are sexy and sexual uh, and desirable who are not in their early twenties, you know, because yeah. I feel like very often, like that's what you're seeing. That's all you're seeing, and so it's yeah, amazing real. that it's like it, it's not portrayed as this kind of like ugh, like thing. It's like no, these women are hot, and men want to be with them. You know, like yeah, like they get a lot of men. Yes. They get a lot yeah, of yeah, men. Yeah, yeah. You're not you testing. Don't just, probably should have been talked about more. You don't <laughs> just suddenly become like not not desirable like at yeah exactly you, hit, you turn 30 you know exactly fact, I think that I am so much more secure in my body and my sexuality now than I ever was in my 20s and I like that that's displayed you know
1: I mean yeah. I, I've oh, I think been I get 30 for
0: six months so take my right. wisdom with a grain of salt but
1: I mean I personally think I get hotter as I get older
0: yeah I, I, and I look at pictures of myself in high school and I'm like mm, I no didn't I'm know way know better looking was. now I'm so much more secure now and like that's so yeah. well displayed especially with um, Samantha basically being like I'm 50 and I'm hot as shit and I can still do whatever I want wear whatever I want fuck whoever I want I was gonna say get whatever guy yeah. I want
1: yeah exactly goals all right I really hope that you all enjoyed this I really hope that there was enough people that listened to the show that are familiar with sex in the city I feel like our listeners have come very young but I hope that everybody really enjoyed this. Um if there's anything that you particularly remember from Sex in the City that you want to chat with us about, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Twitter that we sometimes use at Yamp Podcast Y A N podcast we have a facebook business and group page you can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page you can also rate and review us on apple Podcasts. we appreciate it so much and it helps us a lot it also really helps us when you listen to us on the radio public app it is a free way for you to listen to us but it does help us just a little bit all right with all that being said we encourage you
0: to rage on